Welcome to the Tech Glory Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Today's show is brought to you by MB Real Estate. If you were one of the companies out there who are wondering what the hell are you going to do with all this space when you come back to a remote world? Well, I can tell you, reach out to MB Real Estate. If you are one of the fortunate few, however, who's looking to actually gain space and get ready to come back to the real world, again, MB Real Estate, a friend of the program for us, Nathan Miller, has helped me as well as our family office out tremendously in getting our space downtown Chicago. If you want to connect with Nathan, it's pretty simple. Go to LinkedIn, connect with Nathan Miller from MB Real Estate, or if you have questions or want intros, all you got to do is DM me on Twitter at Katoon, and I will take care of you. Today's show, Reed Rooney is the founder CEO of Bet Spurts. That's B-E-T-S-P-E-R-T-S. Uh, you know, if you listen to me, this show in particular, uh, or follow me on Twitter, you know that I, I like to indulge in a little bit of gambling. Uh, I like to invest in startups via equity crowdfunding, and that to me is no different than gambling. Um, and I like to do the same on Robinhood. I talk about it all the time on the live show. Uh, I like to have action. And when it comes to sports betting, there's Action Network and a few other places that I can kind of lift information. You could watch, uh, is it Matt Curry on ESPN? He talks about all of these different uh, things that he would bet on as far as sports fantasy picks. Usually he just says the biggest name in the room and then you're like, oh, well, duh. And they have a good game or they don't. And half the time he looks like a good guy and half the time he looks like an idiot. Honestly, not enough. That's not enough information. If I were looking at this from a business standpoint and I was going to, I don't know, buy a product from somebody, I would go to LinkedIn and I would look them up and I'd be like, well, is this person's opinion worthwhile or is this guy full of shit? And usually they're full of shit. And you only find out when it's too late and you've already signed a contract. In betting, it's the same thing. I wanna know what the regular people are betting on. I wanna know why. If I was going to listen to someone's idea on what they're betting on or what they think is going to happen, it would be great to find out if they've been right historically or if they're a fucking idiot. So the idea that bet spurts exists is kind of a mind blower that it didn't exist prior to this. That does now. It's essentially LinkedIn for sports betting. It doesn't get any more clear than that. And this conversation I had with Reed Rooney is, I think we covered just about every topic. I think I, I pretty much I you know identified that I'm going to lift a lot of information from bet spurts and use it as my own on Twitter uh, until they tell me I can't, and then I will have to credit the source. But for right now, that's the case. Uh, speaking of shows and investing in companies, as I mentioned in the beginning, I like action, right? Uh, we have what I think is the best pitch review show on the planet. Everybody from Calcanus on down will break down and they'll talk to all of these founders and they find out what their, their drive and their passion is. And you know what, that's all good stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, I just want to make some money. And I try to keep it pretty simple. So you should check us out. We've got uh, follow Technori on Instagram. Obviously, you can follow me at Katoon on that and Twitter and everything else and LinkedIn and so forth. We'll be sharing what I call Technori pitch reviews. Uh, we do an interview with the founders of companies that are raising capital via equity crowdfunding. Uh, we post those on YouTube, Technori's YouTube channel. You can go to technori.com and find all of this, by the way, or subscribe to the newsletter there in which you'll have this all delivered to your inbox. We interview them. I ask them a couple questions, they give me a pitch, and then I review it. I review whether or not I think the company and the founder and the idea is good, and whether or not I think I and you can make money on it. So I highly recommend you check that stuff out. This is my conversation with the founder and CEO of Bet Spurts, Reed Rudy. Yeah, I think it's going to be something that, that no one's ever really seen or can predict really well at this point. Uh, if you look in the last couple of weeks, 
NASCAR betting, soccer betting, and golf betting is at all-time high in America, legally and illegally. So imagine uh, August where August or September where every major sport is playing, including golf, including uh, NASCAR, which some people don't consider a major sport, but you have all the major ones going. I think it's going to be wild and uh, on every single screen and every single uh, um TV stream and cast, they're going to be talking about it, which will be a, a, a new thing for users, uh, users or consumers, and uh, we're really excited about it. It's going to be, to be honest, the best word to describe is probably overwhelming. Hopefully, people uh, are educated enough to to keep their bankroll uh, going and, and don't uh, don't go too hard on sports gambling too quickly and, and make it a long term thing versus uh, just just blowing their entire bank load in September. Well, my degeneration got so bad that I actually was putting some money down on the match 2.0 with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. That's how bad it got. <laughs> I'm hoping you didn't bet on Tom in that situation. No, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that didn't I, go so well. I saw, I mean, he, he had the hole out and he had a couple of other good shots and you know, the typical like, Oh, that's Tom being Tom. I watched his swing in the opening like practice, he was hitting balls and was like, this guy fucking sucks. Like <laughs> I was shocked. Like this guy's a great athlete and I'm watching Peyton Manning who swings a little janky too, but he like, he looked like he could string together some, some scores. Maybe Tom Brady was just, you know, he's not nervous of course, but like maybe he was just like uncomfortable over the ball or whatever. And then he holes out and splits his pants after Barkley gives him shit. So maybe he just needed a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little, little reason to play. I don't know. Yeah, I think that might be it. Uh, I bet you three years after he retires, so what is that, when I'm be 55 years old probably, but three years after he retires, uh, like Peyton, he's going to be pretty good at golf, and uh, I'm guessing there's going to be a couple more rematches down the road there. He, he, you're not a legend like that and competitive like that where you just go out with, with that showing. So it'll be interesting to see what, what he does in the future, but I, I think you read that one properly by Oh my God. And like, and honestly, if for anyone who had questioned this, and there are people who think this like Tiger Woods, if he went out and played any course non-competitive, he would shoot like 29, 29. Like that's how he came out. He's like wearing shorts and just dicking around. And next thing you know, he's flying birdies left and right. And was like, this is literally a cakewalk for him. He doesn't even care. And it just shows you how hard actual competition is. Yeah, we were talking like you are uh, you're a big golfer and, and and I'm a big golfer as well. I'm actually uh, I'm up at my wife's parents' place up in uh, Canada right now nice. by Toronto and I'm playing uh, the uh, Glen Abbey where they have the Canadian yeah. Open a bunch on Sunday and I'm really excited about it. I went back and watched Tiger. I think it was 2000 when he won. Hit a on a par five a seven iron 210 yards out of the bunker uh, shot two for. 15 foot Eagle putt on, on 18 to win the tournament essentially. And uh, it would have been the greatest shot you or myself or the majority of other people have ever had. And uh, his quote afterwards was, well, I flew the green and I was on the fringe. So it wasn't that great of a shot. (laughs) And that that just shows like uh, the level of, of, intensity and and drive that these guys have and precision it's it's just a whole different game than what you and i go play i'm sure oh no question about it and the funny thing is you brought this up in the little piece there but it was you know people are going to come back to to betting and the world will be different there'll be more people who can bet legally uh as well as their typical degenerate you know betting with a friend stuff um and there really isn't a place to go to talk about strategy there's you can go to action you can go to all these different things you can watch espn for like fantasy sports but 99 percent of the time they just name the biggest name playing it's like oh this guy he's gonna hunt's gonna run for this many yards like well no shit or he won't and it's 50 50 and you're like there's there is no real place 
to actually hear what other people are betting on and why, and just like talk about it. It's sort of a, if you're me, you basically go to your wife's parties and talk to the other husbands about that. Cause what the hell else is there to talk about? And that's it. Like, and their you know, opinions, not all that great. So I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to learning about bet spurts. Cause I, I do feel like, and I said this in the intro and you and I've talked about this, it's the LinkedIn for sports betting. And, and now that, uh, this is going to be more of a legal thing and states are really going to be banking on it. I, and I'd love to talk to you more about that as well. But, um, you know, I, I think that there's going to be a, a need and a place for people to conjugate online and off to talk about it. Yeah, I, I think you, you summed up really well right there. So I appreciate that lead in. Uh, the, the, the way we look at it, especially September, let's, let's start with the first part of it. September, when there's eight major sports going, if COVID kind of who knows what's going to happen there but if there are all these sports going we're going to have mispriced lines all over the place by operators because they're going to be overwhelmed right so where do you go and find uh let's call it a a a mispriced first five innings mlb game right it's a very difficult thing to do where you can talk about it and really trust whoever you're listening to or conversing with you can go to twitter you can go to reddit um, Reddit terrifies a lot of people and Twitter is just becoming more and more nasty every day uh, nasty, with the current political place. scene for sure, but with gambling as well. So what we're trying to do is provide a, a safe outlet for one people to, to kind of build their own network of trusted sports gamblers to have the accountable data behind uh, a gambler's expertise or their weaknesses where they can do some self-analysis, but also, show it and share it with the people that, that they want to, to, to follow them or they want to converse with as well. Um, and, and you have that legitimacy behind it, kind of like the LinkedIn resume concept. And I, I agree wholeheartedly. It's, it's not easy to find a network of people that know what they're talking about, or even in a, in a granular sense, like I'm a, I'm a huge White Sox fan that pay attention that closely to the betting side of the White Sox rather than just the playing side or the fantasy side of the baseball. Right. So um, I, I think it's going to be really great for Betsperts specifically, but I think uh, September, when you're looking for all this information, you're going to have content just thrown at you from every angle. Uh, the fact that you have the ability to create contact and you have the ability for your network to converse uh, is going to be something that's outstanding for us and hopefully outstanding for our users. So I want to do a little sidebar before we get back into the actual important things. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the White Sox. Uh, so first off, I'm super excited about this season or next season, whichever it becomes. Um, but this happened again to the White Sox in 1994 when they should have won the first of the two world series that they, they only got one with Joe Creedy being an an amazing person. Um, and Scott Pesednik being just the shit. Uh, but in general, the MLB had this gigantic opportunity and the NBA is unique to like be able to come back and play in COVID and football is uniquely difficult to come back and play in COVID. But MLB was set up if they wanted to not fuck it up, they were set up. And here we are them talking about strikes and saying, we're going to go to a shortened 60 game season and forcing the players into it and the players voting it down. Like what? Like I assume you're still a baseball fan. I, I am just mind blown how the MLB cannot seem to get out of its own way ever. That sport is almost dying or dead. And then they go on, they strike every time they are on life support. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with a lot what you had to say there. Dying or dead, maybe on attention and viewership, but financially it's never been stronger. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So I should, I should mention bigger. that. I look so, at that from the media it, side. 
for the yeah. They're, as you say, they're doing they're doing quite well. The owners. So the, the way I, I look at this is, you blame the owners for not starting June first uh, and having the entire month to themselves. That was their decision, essentially saying uh, we don't want to spend all this money because we're not going to have fans or we're going to lose money. Now the negotiations. Uh, I I don't even blame the players because I don't I don't think the the players union educated them nearly enough. Blame Scott Boris and the the couple major. Yep. Uh, agents that are pulling the strings of Tony Clark and the players union, but uh, what they have done, the players, what they've done in the last three weeks, if you took it, look at any negotiation strategy, makes no sense. The fact that they turned down a 60 game season with perks just for Rob Manford to come out and say, okay, we're going to have a 60 game season and you don't get the perks, but you're going to file a $900 million grievance that has almost a 0% chance to work in court. Their strategy makes absolutely no sense for current major leaguers and what it's really doing is just setting up for a 2022 strike, which is right in the White Sox prime and the opportunity to get screwed again. You are a hundred percent correct. On. I don't get it. I like, I yeah. mean, and it's, it's like, it, and you, you really summed it up perfectly. The, it's the players and the, and the owners and the owners have their own reasons. The players have their own, but it's the same as any other league. The NFL would be the only one I can think of where the, the owners really do still hold like all the power in the NBA, the players almost exclusively own the power and I, and you know, the baseball was the original players league. That was the one where you didn't name the team. You named the player. Like you were saying, Frank Thomas, you're saying Ken Griffey. You're, you know, like you're saying Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle. Like you're saying the player's names ahead of the team. And yet the, for every time the players union just like cannot seem to make their players. And I guess maybe it's more complicated, similar to hockey because of the minor league thing. And there's a lot of players that will be on a major league roster that make jack shit. And there's mm-hmm. guys who make a ton of money. So it is a little more complicated than, than say, uh, the NBA that has, you know, obviously far less players in league minimum. And the NFL, where, like, you're not really talking about the league minimum as much as you are just how many years you get to play. So I just feel like I don't get how they continue to screw this up. And if I was a player, this is, like, the ultimate bargaining chip is to come back, save the owner's ass, play a season, make less money, but have way more leverage. And yet they did not like, it's just, yeah. And you look at the, you look at the couple of leagues besides, I guess the uh, soccer in Europe, that's the most international sports uh, coming across yeah. where uh, I would say the, the level of um, education internationally for baseball players is not strong. And so they rely on their agents who uh, their agents and kind of a couple of the big, uh, the big people or big players who make $200 million for advice in which direction to go. And, that's not always the best case for a guy who makes $550,000 for three years. And that's his entire career. Right. Yeah. So I, I think it's, I think it's really challenging. And I think honestly, the biggest villain in all of this and will be forever. And just like any sport is going to be the biggest agent. And I, I blame Scott Boris for a lot of it because he's just setting up for negotiations for 2022. And it's going to, who, who, who does it hurt? It hurts the fans. It hurts the fans and it hurts short-term players that don't have the longevity to make 20, 30, 40 million dollars. Well, I think I'm just still salty that Blackjack McDowell didn't throw a no-hitter against the Expos. <laughs> That's really where it comes. Like, I just want to see him make Henry Rodriguez whiff for all the people out there that are remember the 90s, little 90s throwback. <laughs> um, so, so back to the, the actual important stuff here. Um, I think the best way to set up the rest of this conversation is probably to go into a little bit about what you think 
um, the the legislation and the laws national and state by state will impact and what the the gambling arena looks like when we come out of this, uh, assuming whether it's this year or next year or whatever, the sports will be back at some point. Uh, what does that look like? And then, you know, from there, let's start going into sort of how you bet, uh, how you built bet spurts and, and why and all that jazz. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the, the really interesting thing is what coronavirus has done for legislation and um, it, and in no way, shape, form, am I saying coronavirus is a good thing, not at all in any capacity of the human-to-human feelings and world. But I've already gotten caught the, up in this trouble. You're good. No, everyone who's listened to the show has heard my apologies. I'm like, I, I'm not saying that corona is good and that I don't feel bad for those who've suffered by it, but business has been fucking great with it, and I want it to keep going. But that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Well, I, I would like it to, to end shortly uh, for many reasons, but the, the three-month, four-month uh, uh, issue that it, it's caused already, and who knows if the second wave or what's coming, um, uh, has been what I would say beneficial for le- uh, sports gambling legislation. So you take Illinois, for example, all of a sudden you don't have to go into a sports book to sign up, right? Or you don't have to go into a physical property. You can sign up online, which it, it was mind-blowing that Illinois didn't do that in the first place, but there are reasons behind that and Rivers. there's a couple of people that pull a couple of strings in our state, just like Scott Boris pulls strings. That'll <laughs> be right. Yes. Um, but the, uh, the, the, I think the biggest thing that, that's really come out of this is more States looking to legalize it fast because they need the tax revenue. And uh, it's not going to happen in a lot of States in 2019 that weren't planning or sorry, 2020 that weren't planning on it, but 2021, 2022, the legalization path for a lot of states across the country is going to speed up. I mean, you hear rumors for the first time ever of California even looking at it. And uh, there's a lot of political legislation issues there because tribes have a lot of power over there and casinos and gambling. Um, but the, the fact that they are starting to talk about it and trying to put it on the legislature for the fall and, and, and the bills for the fall and, uh, if California, New York, or Florida, or Texas, if any of those states kind of popped a couple of years earlier than we might have predicted, uh, the whole game of sports gambling changes across the country, and it'll be it'll be uh, incredible for the industry. And I think coronavirus, with the lack of tax and the lack of financial uh, uh, financial stability for a lot of states, uh, I think it'll speed along the process and, and make more entrance available for um, sports books and give users more options, which means better lines, better prices, and more opportunity to potentially profit. So uh, in the long term, I think coronavirus has been positive for the ability to get sports gambling legal in uh, a lot of these states. But who knows after we return to hopefully what is somewhat normal if states backpedal on that. So at this point, well, it's kind of unknown like everything else, but I, I would say you're going to see more states legalize and give uh, patrons uh, or consumers a lot more options for online sports books. Clearly it's beneficial for you and it's beneficial for the industry that there's you know more guidance, more legitimacy, more gamblers. Um, it will clearly better develop the industry for you uh, both for bet spurts, but also just for gamblers in general, there's just more things. I think prior to things being legal for the most part, or at least in part across the nation, uh, it was hard for a site like bet spurts to grow and build because you're not going to have most people going on a site like that if if they're in fact gambling off the, off the books. Now they're gambling more legitimately, more more taxed, and so there's an interest in being on sites and publicly making comments one way or the other. 
how do you see, you know, sort of the, the big picture for bet spurts? What does it look like? What do people do with it? How does it work? Yeah, so I, I think that's a great point. One of the reasons and the founding reasons we built the site is because if you tried to find kind of peer-to-peer advice that you could trust, not necessarily an expert from a major media company or someone that has 500,000 followers on Twitter, if, you, if you're trying to find peer-to-peer uh, advice you can trust, you had to go to like the dark corners of the web. It, it, was, a, it, it was very difficult to do. So we're, we're trying to bring uh, it much more to the forefront and help educate the users or experts as we call them and any sports gambler that, that's really looking to, to learn more about it and, and continue that social behavior that uh, really drives sports gambling um, to learn more about strategies, learn more about their strengths, learn more about their weaknesses and really uh, extend the opportunity to continue the sports gamble by uh, better bankroll or better picks or just more entertainment and have that community feel. Because if you can do that, it, it, sports gambling becomes um, much more of a fun activity and entertainment activity rather than uh, kind of the black stain that that's had for a, a long time. And I think the best description I've heard around sports gambling is uh, and, and kind of the American's consumer, because we're, we're still a relatively uh, immature market is it's the $20 bottle of wine to make your steak taste better. And right now that's what the American consumer is for sports gambling, um, not doing it typically for professionally, uh, but doing it more from an entertainment perspective. And, and that's one of the reasons why Betsperts is there to, to kind of bring that social network together and, and educate you and on, on yourself and other people and, and really kind of clean up the, uh, clean up the industry. So the bet spurts, the, the, the name spurts is, is that coming from experts? It is. Yeah. We, uh, I didn't put enough, that together we, at first. So then when you said that, I was like, Oh my God. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> we did. Uh, we, we went through a bunch of names for about a week and I at some point got frustrated and someone said betting experts and I said betsperts and then we just moved on. We <laughs> had other, <laughs> other decisions to make, but uh, yeah, we, we liked it and it does click once people start, start using it or thinking about it as a, a kind of an expert mindset it's this is one of those so this is kind of like and we talked about this before it's like there's like there's an analogy to cannabis here in the uh legislation side where it's like if you could go back and alcohol was the same thing if you could go back and do it the right way and actually build out your government infrastructure and taxation and so forth in a way that actually made people want to go through the right channels instead of going through the wrong channels like this is that and it's also similar to cannabis and alcohol and things like that in that um it is a centuries old habit. It is not new. It is not a new thing at all, but yet it is a new business. And you, you talk about how you're in the infancy of this business as an industry, even though the art and act has been going on since the beginning of time. I'm sure the first person bet on whether the child was a boy or girl. So, you know, like I, I, I wonder what opportunity does that provide you as a founder? Because usually if you're creating a new industry or you're getting into an industry, everyone's kind of learning on their own. In this case, Everybody has their opinion. They get to pick what, you know, pun intended, what track they want to bet on. What is this? Uh, what do you think that this circumstance creates for you as a founder? Like, what's the opportunity look like? What people don't realize is you have these kind of mob mentalities of gambling, like uh, the olden days in the mob. And some states are not allowing you to bet locally on colleges, which doesn't make any sense because if there was going to be any sort of mob mentality or fixing a game, that's going to be offshore legal books, which are pushing those those lines too. If you want to bet the White Sox, I'm not saying this example, but if you wanted to bet the White Sox and fix a White Sox game, it's not going to be DraftKings or FanDuel doing it. It's going to be 
uh, some guy you don't want to cross in an alley, right? Well, clearly so, the Sox had that um, happen once before, so that's not new. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, so what, what opportunity does it bring us? And I think it is one of the most interesting things about our 18-month journey, two-year journey so far, is we recently did a survey of our, our users, and uh, close to 85% of them identify as beginner or intermediate gamblers. And that means there's still a lot of education that needs to happen. There's still a lot of uh, reaching out and learning and community feel that the people are, are, are trying to look for and, and learn from. And uh, for us, even though it's centuries old and people do it in college, people do it when they go to Las Vegas or they might get a bookie. Um, I, I think there's still a lot that is unknown and still kind of scary. So the fact that we're able to, to, kind of coincide with the legalization with a lot of really good partners. And uh, we only partner with legal sports books and, and uh, bring it in a clean, higher quality technology feel kind of an app uh, app based mostly and kind of bring it to what people are used to on the social side of Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and uh, allow users to kind of feel comfortable in their process of becoming either a, be a beginner, becoming a beginner or becoming an intermediate or even moving to an expert level at some point in their own uh, kind of self-identity of sports gambling. That's really where we're focusing on and, and being along in that journey. There's just, uh, again, it's an immature market and uh, at this point, and it's going to be for years and years to catch up to what kind of the Europeans are used to because they've had it legalized for so long. So the opportunity for Betsperts and anyone else who wants to join the industry, uh, I think is, is really, really strong at this point. And we're still in, let's call it the top of the first inning of sports gambling in America. So a long way to go. For sure. And I, I'm just curious, like on your background, this is obviously a sports fan, uh, I'm sure you dabbled in, in betting at some point to get you interested in this, but what was your background? Like what led you to decide I want to get into this industry and this is what I want to do? Uh, it's a great question. So I, I uh, studied entrepreneurship at uh, Central Michigan University and I actually played baseball out there and uh, then had a, a pretty decent sales career for a little bit. Um, but uh, I went back and got a master's in entrepreneurship. It was going to happen at some point. I just didn't have the right idea yet. And I looked at the emerging markets and kind of how I identified what was in my generation, the emerging markets. I looked at crypto, cannabis, and sports gambling. Uh, to be honest, all three kind of go together, but I didn't know anything about the first two. I didn't, not, not big in the crypto or cannabis world. So I looked at sports gambling and tried to identify why I was so bad at it because <laughs> I did dabble. I was just miserable at it because I was bet with my heart or bet over um, and then I tried to learn how other people go out and do it and saw the opportunity and, and really found the right partner and, and started to build it. And I, I think it, uh, it grew faster and, uh, uh, bigger at a rate that we weren't expecting. And we're thrilled to be here and thrilled to, to be moving forward as well. That's awesome. I mean, it's, it's one of those things like for me, I, I, I've talked to obviously a lot of entrepreneurs and very few actually identify that like. I don't, I didn't have an idea in particular. It was like, I was looking for industries that were emerging that I could jump into. And it's honestly, it's rare that you can find that and find something that comes in a background that you're passionate about, which would be sports, whether it's betting or, or playing, it's still sports. And I, I think it's similar for me. It's like, you know, I'm good at media. I'm good at this stuff. I understand the business of it. I understand how to sell sponsor. I understand all this, these little components of it, but I had to learn how to podcast. I had to learn how to do all these different things. And I'm just fortunate that technology and everything 
sort of came together at the exact time where what I was good at and interested were the same. And I, I think a lot of yeah. entrepreneurs don't have that fortune. Yeah. I mean, I, I pitched probably 250 ideas to my older brother who is, um, he, he's in Chicago as well. He is a, uh, partner in one of the major accounting firms in M&A space. So he's seen a lot of companies and seen a lot of successes. And, uh, within two minutes of me pitching Bet's first concept, he said, this is the best idea you ever told me. And he's very black and white. So that, that, I took a step back and I was like, Oh, all right. Now, now we, we have something. And I, I kind of identify as, as you just said, it's lucky for entrepreneurs. A lot of time you listen to another podcast, NPR's podcast of uh, how I built this. And the one question that every single pod or every single super successful founder gets asked is, do you think it's luck or skill? And, um, and I think most of the founders and most of the entrepreneurs base a lot of their success on, uh, luck, whether it was their upbringing, whether it was timing, and then they work very hard and, and get to the point they get to. But for me, I, it's very much luck. And, and kind of, you just said, it's kind of once in a lifetime of meeting a market that you care so much about and is just legalizing and just about to grow. I mean, you look at DraftKings going public and in coronavirus with no sports, they've gone from $15 to $45 almost in, in two, two, three months. So it's been, uh, it's been really, really fortunate to, for me at least to, to find this industry and it's a kind of an entrepreneur cliche, but it, it really hasn't felt like a whole lot of work. It feels it's a lot, it's very hard to do and it's very stressful, but it hasn't felt like work I've enjoyed almost every moment of it. And, and uh, it look forward to, to what's to come too. I, I will tell you, I, I completely agree with you. And uh, you know, I've always said, I think it's, it's, you know, I always use the nature nurture. I think it's, you have to be predisposed to like loving risk and not giving a shit about really anyone's opinion. Plus have the ability to acquire skills and like willing to listen and learn. If you have those, then it's kind of luck and skill. But the, um, the, the part that I think resonate the most with you. And I think it's, it's an interesting conversation piece like whether it's at home with my wife or wherever, I work really hard. I put in a lot of hours, an obscene amount of hours compared to someone who maybe works nine to five, but it doesn't feel like work to me. It's like, I'm learning a new thing. Like it's basically like what the neighbor would call a hobby. The other day, I literally was just like pulling down the street and my neighbor, uh, who probably doesn't listen to this show because uh, I hope he doesn't hear this part, but <laughs> he, he just looked fucking miserable. He was driving back and I was like, can I turned around to my wife and I was like, this guy works, I don't know, half the hours that I do maybe. And I was like, can you imagine for 30 years, you've been at like four different banks and you just have the same job. Like you just do the same thing. And like, that's it. And you don't, there doesn't matter what else you know or you like, it's inconsequential. You have this thing and you just punch through it. And I'm like, I couldn't even fathom that existence. It just looks miserable. Maybe he's thrilled. I don't know. For me, it didn't look thrilled. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like how fortunate am I that I can actually do something that excites me to make money and you know what, as long as it works, it's great. And then I go on to the next one. It's like every couple of years I get another, like, ah, that's, that's something I want to jump into. And you start doing research and you figure out like, do I have the skills to do it? Can I acquire them? Can I acquire someone who does? And if I can't answer those questions, then I got to move on. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And at some point you kind of put above, uh, you kind of put on top of your list, what matters the most is it is it learning? Is it risk? Is it finances? Is it vacations, travel, whatever it is, if it's entrepreneurship and and you think those are going to get you to that goal, then you do it. And you got to have some sort of personal equation to make yourself comfortable and family situation, make yourself comfortable uh, to be able to do it. And I I think I was, 
again, I, I use the word lucky uh, at my old job. I loved my old job. I worked for Stanley Black and Decker. It's a great company. My, my bosses were incredible. My the team I was on was incredible. I met my co-founder there and he actually ended up uh, performing the cer- ceremony for my wife and I when we got married. And he has the exact opposite skill set of me. He, he loves details. He loves getting into the weeds of things. The business, the very like the taxes and the books and all that, 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 that stuff seems so horrific to me yeah. uh, while, while, while growing this. So we have, we've been able to kind of have our two sides of it, maintain an incredible friendship uh, through 18 months and uh, two years. I, I know sometimes it gets tense, but uh, maintain that. And neither one of us would want to start a business without the other one at this point. It's been a great partnership, really lucky with the industry came from a place where he got a lot of skills and it was tough to leave that company and, and that team. Um, it was actually quite emotional, but uh, had to do it and uh, haven't looked back. And it's been, it's been, I just feel, I feel very lucky every day. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think a lot of people listen to the show. This is like why they listen to it. It's they want to hear these stories. Like it's okay to quit that job and go do whatever it is you want. And in my line, like I think anyone, I, I think if you have this like, you know, Uber, thought in your head, like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to create Uber or whatever. Like you just drop your shit and go, like, you got to go do it. But if it's something that you're just sort of marginal, like, you know, you want to jump, but you just don't have the idea yet. I think going in and getting practical experience in the workforce is incredibly valuable because you're going to either have to do it later. or You're going to have to manage people who do. And I just think for people like you who were able to create a successful career, get themselves uh, and their family in a position where they can take a shot it doesn't matter whether you're 25 or 55 when you start this, like it's all good. Uh, so I, I appreciate the story that you've shared with us and, and I'm really excited to see sports come back and, and start like jumping into to bet spurts and, and looking at it and sharing with people. Cause I, I really do think that of all of my wife's friends who are into gambling, like they're all just sounding boards off of each other's same, like crazy asshole who goes to the casino all the time. And so that, that one guy leads the whole pack. It's like, if, if you could open the world up and talk to a bunch of people and learn about what they're doing, I feel like you'd be a more informed better and that would probably be good for uh, everyone. Yeah. In one of the things I've learned uh, in, in this time from sports gamblers specifically is I could show you myself and eight other sports gamblers, a line of information, whether it's stats or trends or odds, whatever it is, or it's another Betspert who's been successful. Say this Betspert, he or she has won 10 games in a row, right? So I could show that to 10 people and four of them are going to say, okay, there's no way he wins, he or she wins the uh, 11th one in a row. So we've got to pick against him. The five people are going to say, uh, I'm going to ride him or her until she, she loses or he loses, right? You, you got to ride that hot streak. And the 10th person is going to say, I don't know what to do with this information. I'm confused. I'm going to not bet this game. Uh, so you could, you could show all this information and people take it in so differently. And I think that's one of the best things and most unique things about Betsperts and where we're at is we provide all of this data, all of this information. I will never tell you Betsperts will never tell you who to pick, who to gamble on because one, we're not that great of gamblers ourselves. Uh, it's not a model type business. We're just providing you with the opportunity to become a sports gambling influencer, to build your network and uh, have those conversations as you're talking about, because how do you, how do you know who knows what they're talking about? It's very difficult to do. And a lot of people exaggerate their gambling winnings, whether it's in sports or at the casino um, and don't tell you about their losses. So we're going to provide all the information and, and let you as an educated consumer make the decision yourself. I love it. Where do people go to, uh, to sign up to learn about this and to kind of get involved? 
Yeah, so we have a, a, wet, a website, bestburst.com. Uh, we have a free app and free uh, Apple service, or free app on Android and Apple. Go ahead, take a peek, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it if you like sports or you like sports gambling. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Reed, for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me.